sometimes I wonder why I spent the lonely Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz. With me, as always, my co-host and partner in crime, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you, my brother? Excited today, Foltz. I'm excited to talk about this stuff. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm actually kind of shocked that we haven't covered this yet, but uh, I think it's it's right around the perfect time. Um, you know, we're going to be getting into some different like uh, survival situations, you know, bugging out and things of that. Um but it, it's as gruesome or as horrible as the situations can be, almost to me, it, it holds a little bit of nostalgia, if you will, just because, you know, when we were growing up, we used to watch Red Dawn all the time. Hell yeah. You know, we were always in the woods or we were playing war and you know, we'd always, I don't know. Hollywood makes it look like, oh, it'd be awesome. You're out there. You're defending the country. You know, you're living in the mountains, but. What we're going to go over today not only could possibly help save your life, um, it's not glamorous. It's not glamorous. Uh, when I was younger, man, we had this great tract of woods that was right by my house. So I would be in the woods early, come home late, uh, nighttime. Like I've been in the woods a lot at night. Um, I know the woods really well. And I know how to move around in the woods, what to look out for, uh, what you can kind of get into. And it's a dangerous place if you're not used to it. And it can uh, it can help you, though, if you are used to it. You can kind of blend in and kind of hide back there in the woods for a while. So if we, if we did have to bug out, I think you and I would be pretty good. I think we would. I mean, um, we would fare better than... And no disrespect to to non hunters, but you know we spend a large portion of our lives in the woods hunting and being able to uh, get food to provide. So uh, you know that would be one plus on our side. But we're going to get into more to help you know break it down for maybe those that are just thinking about getting started. And what would be the necessary things that you should have? Where should you be going? Um, and what should you bring, you know, obviously bring with you. So we're going to start off, we're going to jump in and, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot, it's going to be very informative. So a bug out plan in the preparedness sense is quite similar to military ethos. In a bug out scenario, you, you generally need to quickly gather as many supplies as you can safely carry in your vehicle. If you're not on foot, grab your bug out bag, 72 hours of supplies, that will keep you fed, watered, healthy, and safe. A rendezvous with any loved ones or other people in your neighborhood. Take one of the pre-planned routes that you have identified, and it will be the quick that will be the quickest, safest, and least busy way to leave. Arrive safely in your bug out location and a pre-chosen spot identified by you and your party. Now, this is how you can organize your bag and and have and have applied the same simple strategic processes and reliances upon the teamwork that you'll have to ensure that your family and friends have a simple backup plan should something happen. And this is all part of the bug out plan. And it is, it's not a crazy deluded world of fighting off hordes of people or anything like that. 
it is a quick exercise in maintaining safety and precaution to relocate yourself and others from a dangerous area. This is essentially what emergency services are doing as a method of evacuation. If you're relying on that, then there's a chance that you may not have, pardon me, there's a chance that may not happen as emergency services and disaster response agencies are already under the pump dealing with the basics of supply management and carrying out highly potential victims of a disaster, such as people in hospitals, retirement centers, and elderly living on their own. Now, why you need a plan? Well, people bug out or evacuate from an area for a number of reasons. Let's say you've received a warning that mass demonstrations with mass protest and police clashes were going to happen in your neighborhood next week. Sure, you can stay in your home, but whenever you need to leave or if your family needs to leave the home, there's a chance you could be arrested on the street as a potential protester, targeted as an individual by violent groups, or to be struck with some indirect police suppressant from riots. Either that, or your area could have a predicted flood, tsunami, oncoming blizzard, or anything else. In these events, there's a number of things that you need in life that we can't get while being pent up in our urban fortress homes. Now, they are water availability, transportation and availability of leaving after the disaster has occurred, safety due to crime, and medical availability. As you can see, it's not all about grabbing your bag and leaving. So let's just take a little closer of a look. Now, the number one thing you're going to need is water. Now, many plumbing functions run on electricity, and as we know, the first thing to go out in most disasters is electricity. The issue here is not only for clean drinking water, but also sanitation. There is no way to flush toilets to clean away waste that you leave behind or, get, or to get new water for washing. Then comes the issue of having enough water for yourself. If you don't have a stockpile of water, you are only going to survive three days, as that is what the human body needs to survive. In relation to the consumption of water, the average person uses about a gallon, almost four liters of water per day. This is for drinking and sanitary use, such as washing. Storing all of that water is an issue on its own, as some preparedness individuals are stockpiling for three months' worth of supplies. For bugging out, they recommend a time frame about 72 hours or three days supply, which you can use in an urban area and as you make, make way to your bug out evacuation area. When you are drawing up the bug out plan, locating a bug out safe haven that is near a body of water can provide you and your family with a consistent and constant supply of fresh water, which of course would be advisable to be filtered before consuming. You know, Fultz, we actually left town because of flooding. Speaking of water, uh, there was a big flood came through right in our house. The basement was completely filled with water. We opened the door and saw how much was down there, and we went to uh, Ocean City. Yeah, I mean, you got to get out. I mean, I was a child, maybe two years old, but living here in central Pennsylvania, when TMI, Three Mile Island, was melting down, uh, my mom took all of us kids, and we went to Allentown to be with our grandmother. I mean, that was a situation where you had to get out of Dodge, and you didn't know how long you were going to be away. Our thing was actually stupid. We should have stayed at our house. The water could have hit the electrical box and caused a fire. We could have come home to a completely destroyed house, and there was really no reason for us to evacuate. In hindsight, it was just kind of a like a split-second decision, and... If I had that to do over again, I would have stuck it out. 
so you could deal and assess which is the situation. Exactly, exactly. Now, another thing to keep in mind is transportation. Bugging out of a location during a, dis- during a disaster is next to impossible. However, this is only during peak hour traffic. In an emergency, say, for instance, a nuclear threat was made against a specific city, there is a real imminent danger, as every person is going to be on the main deck and back roads. Mass migrations are an absolute hazard. They never go well. The sooner you make the decision to bug out of an area, the better. This is why Prepared Survival Kit is so highly recommended. It lets you get out of the area quicker while everyone else is still scurrying out, figuring out what to do and what they should be taking with them. By the time they are packed, you are already rendezvoused with your bug out group or family and have secured a nice safe spot to ride out whatever is happening. Now, there are three important things to remember when it comes to transport and the plan. Ensure you always have a small reserve of fuel, fuel or at least half a tank as fuel stations might be overcrowded or non-existent. Plan at least three routes to your bug-out area using quick back roads to avoid congested traffic areas. Know these routes and preload the maps on your phone in case you have limited cellular. Bug-out reason number three. Safety runs its course on a number of subjects in disaster preparedness. When it comes to bugging out, You should be aware that any disaster can pose a risk to your safety, not only from the impact of a natural disaster, but also the safety effects of wounds, infection, disease, famine, and any possible crime that may be a result out of desperation. The issue when it comes to preparedness is whether or not to be public and proud or keep it quiet. Most are on the side of caution, as in a disaster or when worst-case scenario occurs, People who are prepared do not want to have a line of people at their door demanding that they share their stockpile of food. This is a very contentious issue because on one hand, you could spare some saved up food, water, medical supplies, simply because you want, you want to help. But on the other hand, disasters are very widespread. And chances are there's going to be neighbors in your area who are very happy to demand you give away a portion of your supplies. Removing yourself from the situation might seem like isolating move, but if you are with a group of others who have made plans with that you've made plans with, then you can share between yourself safely at your bug out area and without the need to be concerned about people knocking on your door. If you have a generator, this just doubles as a beacon for those wanting to break into your house and steal your power source. Ideally, if you're going to use this in the home during disaster where the power has been lost, you're going to need to cover the noise and not have any evident light during the day to avoid any unwanted attention, or at night for that matter. Bug out reason number four is, is going to be medical. As, you know, as we mentioned, staying in a disaster area can have implications for your safety when it comes to your health. Furthermore, there's a lack of medical support to disaster areas as emergency services and first responders are already spread thin dealing with priority issues. In your bug out plan, you should identify the location that has accessible pharmacy if you haven't already stocked up unnecessary prescriptions you already take in the event the pharmacies aren't open or they're now bare. Your bug out plan should also include a medical kit and relevant medical treatments for any injuries or illness that you're able to treat yourself. Now, final thoughts on this particular part of the bug out plan. The four most important reasons to bug out of a certain situation are water, transportation, safety, and medical. 
These on their own warn enough evidence for the need of a bug out plan or simple evacuation procedures. Remember when you're making your own plans not to get caught up in the overcomplication of the process. A plan should be simple so that you should so that if things go crazy, it is a precise and easy way for you and your family or friends to follow. It's true, man. Simple plans work. That's right. What do they say? KISS stands for keep it simple, stupid. Don't overdo it. Don't overthink it, but be prepared. So this next portion we're going to go into, we're going to go over some things of what you need to do to create a good bug out base camp. Steve, you want to take us into that? Sure. You have a bug out bag packed for emergencies, but where are you going to go when things go crazy? You've probably heard the term bugging out a thousand times, but what does it really mean? Bug out is actually a military term from the 1950s that has been adopted by the preparedness community to encompass any situation where you'd leave normal haunts in a hurry. An emergency exodus, if you will. By now, even your loopy great aunt is likely to have a bug out bag hidden under her pile of cats. But where is she bugging out to? She may have an expert-approved list of supplies in a top-of-the-line backpack, but has she planned ahead for a destination? For that matter, have you? Here's how to plan for the worst. Know when to say when. Bugging out during or in the midst of a disaster is not a cool adventure. There's no kick-ass theme music playing in the background. It's not the scene in a movie where you're walking down the road and a big fire or explosion is behind you. If you ever have to bug out, it will be one of the worst days of your life. In a bug out worthy situation, people are likely to be hurt and homes are likely to be lost. So let's kill this action about the movie trope right now. Now that the bubble has been burst, let's talk about the situations that could cause you to bug out. Natural disasters, industrial accidents, these are things that make you go running for the hills. Terrorist attacks are statistically much less likely, but potentially bug out worthy. There are all local and regional issues, so if you travel far enough away from the disaster's point of origin, you'll be out of harm's way. Some of these situations give you warning and some of them don't. If a hurricane and floods are predicted for your low-lying home turf, bug out before the storm hits. If terrorists set off a dirty bomb in your home city, then you'll be fleeing along with tens of thousands of fellow evacuees. In either case, a quick response is the best response, and you'll need to be ready and have all of your supplies and a plan in place before this happens. That means your bug out bags are packed and a primary location along with alternates has been selected. What do you got to do? You got to narrow down your bug out locations. If you had to bug out, some place nice would obviously be your best choice. Your rich uncle's house or a posh hotel would be great. Assuming those spots are outside the hypothetical disaster radius, just keep in mind that bugging out without a destination makes you a refugee, and that is not a desirable condition. Now, if you have an off-the-grid property that you've been developing into a homestead, you already have a great bug-out location, or a BOL. But what if you don't? Or what if you had to leave that self-sufficient property? The wise will consider having a Site B, 
as a BOL, which is a bug out location backup plan. Your backup site could be virtually anything and virtually anywhere, as long as you can get to it in a crisis. Site B could be a hunting camp, the undeveloped land of a friend or a family member, or even a spot on public land. Make first-hand inspections of possible bug-out locations. You got to go there. You got to look at it firsthand. You'll know what resources are available and how long it would take to get there. It needs to be a realistic distance from your home and place of work. A bug-out location that's a 100-day march from your home might as well be on the moon. The site also needs to have water and natural resources. Be off the beaten path and be defensible. And it should have a cache of supplies hidden on it. So, create a cache. Making a stash of supplies at a remote site makes sense for a number of scenarios. But what should your cache be? And just how critical is it? Your cache should contain A. The container itself. Withstand the natural environment where it's located. It needs to protect against the natural enemies of storage, which include moisture, rodents, insects, freezing, heat, and theft. Waterproof containers like a pelican case and a plano box are good choices for wet conditions, along with homemade vaults uh, with large diameter PVC or the MTMSAC Survivor Ammo Can. This is a great container for loose rounds or magazines. For scenarios that are perpetually dry, metal boxes are often a good choice, as they are impregnable, impregnable to gnawing teeth of rodents. And don't feel like you have to bury your treasure to have it count as a cache. You could have your container stored virtually anywhere, so long as it's accessible in an emergency and hidden from view. Top items to store are food, ammo, hand tools, communication devices, and medical supplies. Whatever you do, just make sure you can find the cache again. Also, let one or two responsible family members know where the cache is, just in case you don't make it. Wow, that's good. That's good. We're going to keep going. So the next one would be just get. If you had to flee to a remote camp, you may or may not have a vehicle to take you there. Plenty of conditions would prevent you from driving during and after a disaster. This makes your trip much longer, more dangerous, and it greatly limits the amount of supplies you can take. Use alternative transportation if you have it. Dirt bikes, mountain bikes, horses, mules, UTVs, and other transports can allow you to carry more weight into the backcountry than you could use than you could using a backpack and on your feet. Without alternative transportation, you can only take what you carry. I always thought a dirt bike would be cool. Dirt bike would. Uh, I like the idea of a of like a like the UTV that I have because it's got a dump in the back. You can put so much stuff in there. Yeah, you the UTV is cool. Yeah, and you can just fly. Probably need them both. Get the dirt bike, UTV. Oh yeah, have a whole gang. You know, like uh, in in those end of the world movies, they're all riding around on bikes <laughs> and stuff. The next thing we're going to talk about is dig a. Once the first fleet footed souls in your party reach the BOL, it's time to set up a latrine if you haven't done this already. Dig a fairly deep but slender hole in the ground situated both downwind and downhill from your shelter. Choose a spot that is at least 50 yards away from your water source, be it a spring, stream, or pond. The bottom of the latrine should be at least 6 feet above the water table. 
If security and camouflage are no concern, you can build a privacy screen with tarps and other materials, but I'd keep the latrine and every other aspect of your camp stealthy by situating it in a cluster of bushes or boulders. Keep the latrine hole covered with a board or flat rock when it's not in use. Stock some toilet paper in a waterproof container at the latrine. Coffee cans work good for that. A pile of dirt and small spade can allow you to cover the waste area after each use. Also keep some hand sanitizer nearby to limit the spread of bacteria in the camp. Disgusting. Yeah, but these are all things you got you need to keep in mind. Secure your water. After shelter, first aid, security, water is the most vital element for survival. You can often find surface water after taking a hike downhill. Since this is the path that the rain takes, rivers, springs, seeps, creeks, and rivers are all headed downhill. You can also look for water favoring trees and plants at a distance to guide your path. Willow trees and sycamores work great as water indicators in any area. White cattails, sedges, and cord grass and reeds are a good sign just about everywhere. Of course, springs, streams, and rivers and creeks are the most common source of fresh water and are often best source in most areas. But just remember that the larger the waterway, the more time it has had to pick up pollutants. So instead of taking water from the river, pond, or lake, find a smaller source that pours into it. All water gathered from the landscape should be purified. The only possible exception is if water collected directly from the mouth of a spring that has not yet been exposed to the surface. In drier and more rugged terrain, a job of finding water gets a lot harder. Now check the base of cliffs or hills where the groundwater table is being pulled upward. Look for gorges and ravines where rainfall can pool and evaporate at slower pace than pools open to the air. Depending on geology, you may even be forced to look around for water on high ground. Certain areas are full of rock depressions called kettles, which can range from tiny to huge. These kettles can hold water in higher ground and work in the lieu of streams and water you are expecting or hoping to find. Water can also be collected from plants and precipitation, though these can be seasonable and unreliable. Once you have your water, one of the easiest ways to make water safe is to filter it. The Platypus Gravity Works water filter has a bag that can be filled with dirty water and gravity-driven filter that allows safe and clean water to drip out. And they're awesome. They're definitely, definitely worth it. Now, you're going to have to build a camp. Armies move on its stomach, and so will your camp. You need a food preparation and cooking area, upwind from the latrine and away from your camp in bear country. This area should have a fire pit and rigs to suspend pots over the fire. Create a makeshift table for food prep and serving. The area could also have a food cache and some cooking equipment pre-positioned. You certainly want, you wouldn't want to backpack in a heavy Dutch oven that's big enough to serve a group, but you could drop it off ahead of time. Your camp kitchen should also have dish washing, dish washing station. This could include buckets of hot soapy water, a bucket of bleach and water, and a rack to dry dishes in the sun for UV disinfection. It, that's a tough part because... It depends on how many people are in your camp. You, I mean, food is important. Cooking food for four people is one thing. Cooking food for 40 people is totally different. Well, I mean, just with, with my family in mind, right off the bat, there's six. Yeah, and if you team up with the family of four, you got ten people you're feeding three times a day. Yeah, so you got to make sure that everybody's contributing because, you know, with my food, it's going to be my family eats first. 
You know, if you didn't bring anything, I'm sorry. Whatever we don't eat in that meal, I guess you can have. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to have it all set up ahead of time where everybody's unified. That way it keeps it. Everybody's got a job, you know, to keep camp running. Got it. So you got to keep communications. You won't know if things are getting better or worse from the relative seclusion of your camp unless you have some communications with the outside world. For many emergency scenarios, a weather radio can help you and your group be updated and informed. It can also provide a simple form of entertainment, providing any radio stations are still broadcasting music or other entertainment. There's a couple of them. One of them, the Midland ER310, is an updated version of the company's beloved hand crank emergency radio. That hand crank's the most important part because you're not going to have batteries for very long. This compact communication tool can tune into AM, FM, and the NOAA weather bands. And it has a built-in flashlight. It's got an SOS beacon, dog whistle, it's got a USB charger. Once fully charged by a USB connection, the built-in solar panel or smooth hand crank, the battery can last up to 32 hours. And it even has enough juice to charge your mobile phone. So that's something really important. Yeah, I mean, it is. Now, granted, you're probably not going to be having a service that you can make calls on your phone, but there's a lot of stuff stored in your phone that you're going to want to be able to have it charged or, you know, different places that you come by. If you're doing, like, reconnaissance, be able to take pictures and such. Yeah, your phone's more than a phone, and it's a very important device to keep charged. So the next one here is considered defense. Um, this is probably Fultz and I's favorite part. Any, of course. Any place I've ever scouted out with him, the first thing we do is consider defense. Always. How will you defend your camp from man and beast? Not setting up camp on the side of a highway is a good place to start. But keep in mind, the most remote corner of the earth isn't perfect either. Getting away from the masses will likely mean that you'll be on your own for self-defense. When planning your campsite, consider spots that offer natural obstacles to hold off unfriendly interlopers. Ravines, cliffs, rivers, embankments, even briar patches can slow or halt intruders or funnel them towards you and towards your sentries. It's also helpful if your site provides a vantage point to watch for oncoming friends or foes while keeping you hidden. As a final consideration, Choose a path to retreat from your camp and location to regroup should your camp be overrun. Grim stuff, I know, but it's important to consider. Definitely is. I highly suggest having the high ground in any situation and that anybody that would be coming up your main path, you've already got a couple guys in tree stands that have these people in their scopes already before you check out, find out who they are. Yeah, when they get to you, it's because you let them. Exactly. Keep a night. Night can be the scariest time in the wilderness, and in the wake of a disaster, those fears may be well-founded. Since the beginning of time, desperate people have performed despicable acts in the time of crisis, and in a prolonged emergency, it's quite possible that your group will need someone or several people to stand watch against outsiders. It may also make a lot of sense to avoid drawing attention to your camp in the darkness, this could mean no fires or bright flashlights after dusk or no light at all from dusk till dawn. Makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, and even when it, when it comes to like hunting for your own food, one thing you need to remember is a gunshot gives away 
or especially from a rifle, gives away your location. If you can hunt with bows, that would be ideal to not give away anything. I shot a bow 40 yards away from Fultz two days ago, and he didn't hear it. Nope. You don't hear a bow go off. Make resource. Inevitably, you'll run out of some kind of resource or supply that requires replenishment. When it's something locally available, like firewood or water, this supply run could be a welcomed diversion for a few members of your group. But when it's something you can't find nearby, you could be asking people to head into a dangerous situation. Regardless of the task, never send one group member alone. And better yet, do your best to just do without whatever it is that you wanted. Yeah, it's like a, if you... Think about it. Be like, all right, is this a need or is this something that we really want? Because if it's a want, we're not risking anybody's life to go out and get it. Now, you're going to want to be able to keep the peace, too. And the best way to maintain peace and order in your camp is through strong and good leadership. Leadership is one of the elements that rarely receives recognition for its importance in survival. Having a leader is also an escapable reality when acting as a group. There will always be an alpha male or female in any group, and they will naturally lead or at least influence the path of the group. Maybe they're not qualified to hold such a critical position, but chances are good that they're just playing the role they were born to play. In an emergency, good leadership is more important than ever, and people in charge must strive to perform at their highest level. History is full of examples of great leaders and plenty of horrible ones, too. Understand that there's much more to being a leader than just making few plans, barking out orders, or trying to keep everyone pacified. If the mantle of leadership falls on your shoulders during a bad situation, emulate the strongest leaders you know and try to get somebody to volunteer a bottle of aspirin, too, because believe me, you're going to need it with the arguments going on. All the headaches that go along with leadership. Yep. Now, going home. Now, how do you put your life back together in the aftermath of a bug-out-worthy disaster? Now, in recent decades, a small percentage of world's population has had to bug out, then begin their life again. To do this in a world that currently exists, you'll need money, documentation that you are who you say you are, and a place to go. If your home was destroyed in the disaster, this will leave you scrambling to find a new place to live. You may also need new source of income, as your money quickly runs out. In localized crisis situations, aid often floods in from other areas, but it's unchartered territory to rebuild your life in the wake of a mass destruction and casualty. Let's just hope we never have to find out how hard it is to be to start all over again from scratch, if you even can. It would be weird to go bug out and not have your home to come back to. Well, definitely. And like we were talking about Red Dawn in the beginning, uh, there's a scene where uh, the Wolverines, they launched their first attack and everybody in their group now has killed somebody of you know either the Russian uh, or um, Spanish army that came in. And there's a scene where they're sitting around the fire and Patrick Swayze looks at all of them and he, and he just says, there's one thing for certain, we can never go home again, ever. Because you aren't who, you're not the same person anymore. You know? A lot of times, even going home is, you're thinking of going home to your house, but in that situation, he may be saying going home, meaning go back to our regular lives. Yep, ever again, because you, you've you been in the midst of war, 
So changes you. Yeah. So we've talked about you know what you got to do to try and get places. What to, how how are you going to try and set up your camp and such. Um, but this uh, this next portion, we're going to talk about like um, bug out bag list essentials and what you should have, the sizes of them, and uh, the practicality of some things. And some things that may not seem so practical, but you may end up just needing it. So subtle beast style. We we've gone through this one, picked out the stuff we liked, and left the stuff some stuff out. Yeah, the grocery store approach. Quite simply, we at Subtle Beast believe an excellent bug out bag starts with a great bug out bag list. It doesn't necessarily mean everything you put on the list will end up going into your bag, but at least you got a pretty good idea of where to start. The last thing we want for people is to not start because you don't know how. We know, we've been there, especially if you're talking if you're talking out that there is a ton of information out there, isn't there? Oh, sorry, excuse me, that probably didn't make any sense. Especially if you're just starting out, there's a ton of information out there. Some of it's really good, some of it's, you know, how we should say, not so good. So let's just get started. Building a bug out bag doesn't have to be hard. As we've stated previously, Building, your, building a bag doesn't have to be difficult. In fact, we believe it should be fun and enjoyable experience. After all, having a solid bug out plan and knowing that you're planning well in advance should help put your mind at ease in case of disasters and <clears throat> scenarios. So whether you're new to the idea of bugging out or you've been in the neck of the woods for a while now, there's most likely something you can take away from the following. Choosing the bug out bag, the first item on your bug out bag list is the bag itself there are two schools of thought on this number one choose the best bag for you first and number two choose the bag after you have the items okay now that we have important aspect covered let's talk about the essentials the bug out bag list essentials water and hydration you're going to want drinking water of at least three liters or collapsible water bottle hard water bottle metal water bottle or canteen water filters and purification systems just to name a few food and food preparation next up are food foodstuffs in this preparedness community we see a lot of people eager to recommend various products mostly off-the-shelf dehydrated store-bought items personally we recommend a variety of non-perishable food items some that may require water and some that don't in a real bug out situation you don't know how scarce your water source might be to be safe, plan for it being more scarce than you think. So some items, the most important thing <clears throat> that you're going to want to carry with you are protein bars, MREs, and dehydrated meals, which Steve and I bought at a local gun shows. We have a ton of them. A spork, you know, which is a spoon and a fork put together, a P38 can opener, metal cooking pot, metal cup, a pot scrubber, portable stove, and stove fuel. You're going to want like at least 10 containers. And rice. Oh, definitely rice. Now, you're also going to want to make sure that you have your clothing in check. Now, choosing clothing for your bug out bag is very personalized selection, as we all have different body types, tolerances, and level of fitness. Your clothes selection will obviously depend on your location, your climate, and other factors listed above. You should evaluate your bag every season. At these times, you'll want to have you'll want to have seasonal selection of clothes that you can swap out when necessary. But regardless, always recommend having uh, long pants and, and boots. At least two changes of clothes ensure that you can always have a dry set. The last thing you want 
it, <clears throat> while bugging out in the elements is wet clothes. Not only are they uncomfortable, but they can cause hypothermia to set in. So you're going to want a lightweight, long sleeve shirt made of a poly fabric, not cotton, convertible zip-off pants, underwear, wool hiking socks, at least three pair, not like itchy wool, old school ones though, medium, medium to white or medium weight fleece, a hat with a flex brim, working gloves, rain poncho, shelter and bedding. Oh, back to clothing. You know what I've always wanted? The alpine white snowsuit. Like hunting? Yeah. Just after a fresh snow, you're in that alpine white snowsuit. I think that would be the coolest thing. And uh, what is the outfit that looks like a bush? Oh, the um, ghillie suit. The ghillie suit. I think those are so cool. I'm actually thinking about getting that. The alpine white snowsuit, I think, is just a dream for me. But the ghillie suit, I think I'm getting. Yeah, the ghillie suit is definitely cool. I like the the snowsuit that... uh, Mark Wahlberg had on in Shooter. I don't know if you haven't seen it. Spoiler alert! At the end, he's like sniping from a snowy mountain. You can't see him for nothing. It's awesome. All right. Now remember, shelter and bedding. At first glance, to the experienced survivalist, some of the items that we've chosen for this category might seem excessive or even impractical. But if you check the individual products we recommend, you'll see they're all made compact and lightweight for a backpacker in mind. Yes, you can make a shelter out of a tarp or use a trash bag filled with leaves as a makeshift ground pad. But these are all items we think are a wise choice to include for numerous reasons. Being well-rested both mentally and physically is extremely important for morale when times are rough. You're going to want a tarp, a tent, sleeping bag, a ground pad, and a wool blanket. You're going to want a heat source. Having several means for starting a fire is also essential when bugging out. We recommend the following basics to be included in your bag. The reason being, a survivalist and firearms expert friend of ours shared this piece of wisdom which has stuck with us ever since. Where there are two, there's one. Where there's one, there's none. Essentially, it means that if you don't have a backup and your primary fails, you're toast. For that reason, we recommend having at least three different means of starting a fire in your bag. A lighter a flint or ferrocerium rod, tinder, and waterproof storage. First aid's really important. First aid is one of those areas where there are a lot of done-for-you type products out there that just aren't well-suited for a survival kit, such as a bug-out bag. The topic of first aid could easily warrant several posts, but keep it simple for now. We have only, we have one that we do highly recommend, but of course you can always build your own. You need a first aid kit, a trauma kit, don't forget insect repellent, and a Mylar survival blanket. That could definitely save you in temperatures that plummet. I've gotten really good first aid kits that are out there uh, that have trauma kits kind of inside of them. But yeah, when you're out there in a survival situation, you definitely need that trauma kit because inevitably, and especially if you're on a Rocky Mountain, somebody's going to fall catch a deep gash on the shin you're going to need to wrap them you're going to need to heal get people all set up it's not just a band-aid you're going to need to be able to clean wounds out and there's a lot of stuff that goes along with first aid a lot of it is just keeping your head on a swivel and preventing things from happening in in the first place but when they do happen you have to be able to react fast definitely i mean think about a gunshot wound yeah a gunshot wound is definitely trauma yeah Steve, you want to go into this next section? Yeah, it's it's a hygiene, and this is another one 
Fultz and I have already done uh, full podcasts on hygiene, but uh, we found that various aspects of personal hygiene are often overlooked when compiling a bug out bag list of essentials. But the implications of foregoing any of these for an extended period of time might lead to bacterial infections and a rapid deterioration of health. When bugging out, you need to be at the top of your game, so be sure to pack these items. Wet napkins, hand sanitizer, all-purpose camp soap, hygiene-slash-signal mirror, small pack towel, travel toilet paper, you're going to want a lot of that, travel-sized toothbrush and toothpaste, and other personal hygiene necessities. And that toothbrush and toothpaste is so important. You got to keep your mouth healthy when you're out there. Yep. So our next little thing here is the tools that you're going to need. Next to weapons, it's one of the most important categories, and everybody loves to go crazy over it. It's easy to see why. There's a bunch of gadgets out there that look real cool, and some of them are, you know, especially sweet. But as we said before, every ounce counts. Determine the must-haves and forget the rest. Trying to practice what we preach, here's what we recommend. Use a survival knife. This one, uh, survival knife, became popular when Rambo came out. Had yep. the compass on the top of it. Oh, I got a Rambo knife. It's sitting right beside you there in the studio. Let me look over there. You do? Yes, he's got a Rambo knife. and Inside of there, it's got a cool little pack that has some waterproof matches, a little, um, it's like a little, uh, what is the thing called? That you, it's, it's like a saw, but it's just a piece like a of little chain wire, yeah, and uh, many other little things. So the survival knife is important. The multi tool, uh, Leatherman makes a great multi tool. That thing comes in so handy, and then an axe. Uh, some people carry a machete, a machete, but an axe can double over. The butt of it can be a hammer, so axe is super important. Yeah, and you can get them small enough that they like they have a little pouch and they just hook right onto your belt. I've seen them. So there's your tools. Uh, next, you want to consider your lighting. Illumination, like fire sources, is something we recommend having multiple instances of. If one of them fails or you lose it somehow, you have another to take its place. Each item listed below has multiple uses, but they serve the same purpose, which is to keep everything lit up, helping you see what you're doing and find where you're going. So don't forget to have extra batteries for these things right here. Number one, the LED headlight. How important is that? I used that so much this yeah, week. Yeah, LED headlamp we both had on. We were hunting this past weekend, and without it in the dark, you're not seeing anything. But with it, it lit up so much. They, they come, the LEDs make them so bright now. You can look like uh, light up half of the, the mountainside just with your headlamp. Uh, but they do make these cool mini LED keychains. And those things, they're just like a little circle fits on your keychain. It doesn't really bother you. But when you need light, it lights up a good amount just by pushing a button. Uh, light glow sticks, they're super fun, but also very functional. Mini LED lights, there again, LEDs are so bright that you don't need to have the big hunker uh, like flashlights that we used to carry around. You can just have mini LED lights, tea candles, uh, solar lantern and charger, and then a bunch of batteries. Always batteries. Uh, communication. 
Communication is another highly contested category in the preparedness community. We like to keep it simple, though. If the bug-out scenario allows for their use, you'll be glad to have these items with you. A good way to recall the following is PACE, P-A-C-E. Primary, alternate, contingency, and emergency. They are as follows. Primary, a cell phone. Alternate, a Wi-Fi tablet, if there is any Wi-Fi, but at least have a tablet. And your contingency should always be a ham radio with license. Emergency crank power charger with signal lights. Travel aids. Depending on the situation you find yourself in, these items might prove useful. Don't leave home without carefully thinking about these first. Some question the effective use of quarters and precious metals in modern bug-out scenario, and we'll leave it up to you to decide whether it's worth a few extra ounces to carry. Maybe you want to have $500 minimum in small bills. Quarters, maybe a quantity of like eight. Gold and silver bullion coins, they're always good to purchase. Local area map, you're definitely going to want a compass. A small notepad and pencil, keep notes, maybe even journal during this. An emergency whistle and a cotton bandana. Self-defense, now without a doubt, this is the most controversial topic. And warning, blanket statement ahead. It's been our experience that Americans among among us tend to embrace this category the most, and being from the U.S. ourselves, we definitely see why. Self-defense is something you should all give serious consideration. Bugging out in its severest of circumstances is a survive-or-die proposition. Whether you choose a handgun, a rifle, both, or just a can of pepper spray, it's completely up to you. But you can be sure in a bug-out scenario, we'll be well-equipped to defend ourselves and hunt wild game if we need to, because we've been doing that our whole lives. Fultz, you you might want to carry something a little stronger than pepper spray. Oh, I'll be all right. (laughs) I'll definitely be all right. Now, if you choose not to carry a weapon or are not allowed to or to do so, that is according if if law enforcement is still around, then we highly recommend some degree of self-defense training, especially if you have family, as they'll be depending on you for their safety. Pepper spray, a handgun, a takedown rifle, which you can break apart and put into your backpack, ammunition, and you should have at least 100 rounds for each of the firearms that you have. Now, miscellaneous, we're almost done, but these items that didn't necessarily fit into any other categories, but they're just as important for inclusion in your bag. Chances are some of the items will have you scratching your head, but we assure you we want these items in your bag. Parachute cord, like 50 feet. Duct tape, 25 feet. 55-gallon clear contractor bags. Reusable bags, various sizes, sunglasses, an N95 face mask in case there's pollutants in the air, sewing kit, latex tubing, survival axe, fishing kit, condoms, non-lubricated. And the reason we say that is because if you have to cross a big body of water or it's raining and you have your rifle, you want to keep the inside of your rifle dry. And what better to put a non-lubricated condom over the top of, uh, over the barrel of your rifle? Make sure you just haven't shot it a bunch of times or else it's going to melt to it. Uh, Binoculars, face paint, military surplus survival, and snare wire. Oh, and before we forget, we we make it a practice to to state this disclaimer whenever we can to avoid any confusion. Confusion, I'm sorry. See, that was confusing. We're not certified experts, but we make it our aim to provide you with the best educational information possible in which we've consulted with numerous people. Even then, we don't know everything, and we still make mistakes just like the next person. The bug-out bag list above is intended as gospel truth. 
You owe it to yourself and your loved ones to do your own due diligence and to come to your own conclusions. Your bug out bag will not automatically keep you alive. It is, however, intended to help you survive a bug out scenario. If you don't learn how to use these items effectively and practice using them on a regular basis, all the bug out bags in the world probably aren't even going to help you. Emergency preparedness is not a fad, nor a hobby. It's a way of life. But if you, if you believe that, you'll be all the much better as a result. And one of the most important things is the people around you. You can have everything set up exactly perfect. If you have bad people around you, you're going to have a bad experience, and it's going to turn out bad for you. You basically got to – the people in your group, you got to be able to trust them with your life. I mean – in the worst case scenario, you know, you're coming under fire by, I don't know, any foreign enemy or domestic enemy. Uh, you know, you you got to have people that are going to be there and ride or die for you and, you know, going to see that you eat and you sleep and you're doing your responsibilities and you don't have to worry about whether they're holding up their end of the bargain or any of that. Right. You get somebody out there doing a night watch, you got to know they're not going to be sleeping on the job, letting people come through and hurt you when they've already taken the responsibility. They're going to stay up. They're going to make sure everything is okay. And then when it comes to you, you're going to stay up and you're going to make sure everything's okay for them. So pick your people wisely. Yep. And and if you got a good spot, again, if you don't know them, you don't trust them, don't just be throwing out, well, this is where we're going to be meeting, you know, thinking in your head, ah, we're never really going to have to do this. Because if you do, you're going to get swamped. And, again, people are going to want what you got. And that's, again, that's why – you know, having a weapon of, of, of any sort is good to have because people that aren't prepared but they do have a weapon, they're going to see the opportunity of what yours is now mine. So have a plan, work your plan and plan your work and practice and be ready And because Lord knows all over the world today it's crazy and we don't even know what the next step of our crazy governments are going to do. Uh and are they going to get us into any type of war around the world? God, I hope not. But uh, it's never a bad thing to be prepared for the worst and hope for the best. Exactly. Well said. So we hope this was informative to you. Um, a lot of you maybe already knew all this stuff, but there's always, you always got to share information in case people don't know or have been thinking about something and they needed somewhere to start. So hopefully uh, you got some good information out and you can start here with us at Subtle Beast. And we will keep broadcasting if there is an emergency, if uh, other forms of communication are down every week or two, Fultz will get together with me and we'll make sure that we get information out there. So if you do have some sort of radio or access to internet and podcasts, we will be giving updates in case of an emergency. That's right. Well said. Well, that's all we have on this. So hope you enjoyed it. And uh, until next time, I'm Foltz. And I'm Steve. And we'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.